All right. Well, we're in Isaiah 60 tonight. <clears throat> I hope you read ahead. Recently listened to a, um, a YouTube thing. There's probably a name for it. Uh, but a Bible teacher saying that, that uh, Israel has no significance in God's prophetic story. And uh, so I'm always trying to read scripture through that kind of lens. And I'm amazed with how creative you would have to be uh, to perform that, uh, those form of gymnastics with Isaiah 60. So as we read it tonight, um, try to imagine it meaning something other than it does. Or not. It's probably best to just take it as it comes, but um, it's very fascinating. So why don't we read the text? If you would, stand up, and if you can't stand the whole time, it's okay. Yeah. So Isaiah 60, verse 1. <clears throat> Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. And the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first. To bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I'll make the place of my feet glorious. Also, the sons of <clears throat> those who afflict you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet, and they shall cry, I'm sorry, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles. And milk the breasts of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. <clears throat> Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. 
The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, and your, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, your, your prophetic uh, promises, covenant promises, Lord, uh, whether they're to us or to Israel um, or to the nations. You are faithful, and whatever you say will come to pass. And I just pray you'd use this text tonight to encourage us. And uh, it is interesting reading so much of Isaiah right now in the, the current situation in the Middle East. And uh, yeah, Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated. Oh, I forgot to mention, pray. Mike Strobach just had uh, ankle surgery. They fused his, his ankle to his tibia and fibia. And so he's excited. So supposedly the pain will be gone, but the range of motion will also be gone. But he wants to, he says, racquetball in six weeks. So I hope so. I hope so. All right. Well, Isaiah chapter 60, fun times, restoration of Israel, repatriation, a number of things. So let's look at it. So arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will ri- arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So the implication of the statement there is that prior to the fulfillment of this passage, uh, all the world, including Israel, uh, will be in darkness. So prior to its fulfillment, there's just darkness. Okay? Um, of course, uh, literal darkness is not the real problem, right? We have a lot of problems in Washington in the winter. But it's talking about moral and, and spiritual darkness. That's a problem, and it's a, obviously it's a growing problem around the world. Uh, but at the fulfillment of this passage, the glory of God uh, will shine upon Israel, and those who are in darkness are going to see his light, not in general, but specifically on Israel. Okay? So when does that happen? When does it happen? Uh, I think all the clues are in the chapter. It'll all unravel before us. It says, The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. So at that time, when the, the Gentile nations see the glory of God on Israel, it says that they're going to come, they're going to flock to Israel. And those Jews who had been scattered abroad are also going to be gathering to the land of Israel at that time as well. So Gentiles and Jews making their way to the land of Israel. Yeah, the Jews will return to land promised to them, and the Gentiles will come to experience, apparently, the glory of God. And later on, uh, they'll come to worship. He says, Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy 
because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The, the dromedaries, is that how you say that? Who's heard that term before? A single humped camel. Oh, well, my, my lexicon says that it's a young camel. Well, okay. I mean, who am I to argue with Mike? I mean, I'll usually use my lexical aid from now on. Yeah. Uh, of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. Uh, Sheba is, uh, you guys know who Sheba is? They're sending missiles to southern Israel right now. Uh, they'll come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praise, praises of the Lord. Uh, so, as he says here, when this passage is fulfilled, uh, Israel is going to be overjoyed. Uh, Gentiles, he says, are going to come from the west, he says, from the sea, with their ships loaded with wealth. And those uh, who come from the north, the south, and the east uh, are going to come with their camels loaded with wealth and incense. Okay, it's, it sounds a lot like when, um, you know, through Sa uh, Solomon's reign, that, you know, because of his wisdom, uh, he had established this reputation across the east, and people were traveling forever to see him, to listen to him. But when they did, they would bring gold, incense, and monkeys, and all kinds of stuff to uh, maybe even single-humped camels. Yeah. Um, now, this is somewhat, uh, you know, reminiscent of when, you remember when the children of Israel left Egypt? Uh, do you remember what happened? What did the Egyptians give them as they left? All their wealth. They said, just go. Just take it and go. And, and God basically said, he, he prophesied that that would happen. And he said that they will essentially pay your wages of 400 years of slavery on your way out. Okay. So they were giving them all of their wealth. They were pleading with them to just go because they were tired of the plagues, right? They said, just take it and go. Well, at the time that Isaiah is speaking right now, it seems that the nations will be providing restitution for the last 2,000 years of mistreating them. It's crazy. So from 70 AD to present, uh, you know, Jews have been persecuted everywhere that they've gone. Uh, even today, in what we call the modern era, when you know, the, the, the barbaric nature of man was supposed to get better, you know, with the advent of psychology and, and all of our social stuff, um, supposed to be a thing of the past, but Israel's still being mistreated. Uh, to date, they're still the most persecuted people group in the world. They're not the most persecuted religion. That's us. But as far as an ethnic group, they're the most mistreated, persecuted people on the planet. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, just by virtue of their Jewishness. But that will all change uh, at the, the time that Isaiah is speaking. He says, All the flocks of Kedar uh, shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. So he's right here he's with Kedar and uh, and Nebaioth, this is the multitude of the Arabians. The Arabians, yeah. Uh, today, of course, the, uh, these particular places that they're talking about here, these are uh, mostly Muslims. And it says that they're going to bring their flocks uh, to Jerusalem as an acceptable offering. What an interesting concept that is. Yeah. Now, of course, when, when Christ came, he fulfilled 
the sacrificial system. So uh, in this era, there's not going to be need for sacrifice. Uh, but the offering of these Gentile groups, whatever the offering uh, will be, uh, it's going to be accepted when they come to Israel to, to glorify the Lord. So the gist of these passages is that Gentile nations are going to come from all over uh, because something's happening in Israel. Uh, the light of God is shining there upon the people, and uh, <clears throat> they're being blessed in so many different ways by God, by the nations. Um, something interesting is happening, something that's never happened before. And he says, who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me. And of course, waiting on the Lord is a, a spiritual concept um, in prayer and petition. Uh, and the ships of Tarshish will come first. What will they be doing? To bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Very interesting. So the Gentile nations will be making their way to Israel, and they'll be bringing with them Jews. And it'll be, it'll be like a, um, they'll be traveling not just free, but loaded down with the blessing of the nations. The nations will finance um, the, we, would, we might say, the repatriation of Israel. What do they say? There's 12 million Jews in Israel right now. So more Jews live outside of Israel than inside. And many are yet to go home. <clears throat> Current events may, uh, will probably um, cause more to go home currently. <clears throat> the sons of foreigners shall build up your walls and their king shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. Notice in all of this, there's this complete reversal of things. You know, Israel... Uh, her, for her sins, she came under the wrath of God. She's came under the wrath of God multiple times. But at this time, he will, he's going to bring her to repentance and faith so that he can show mercy to her. The nations that God used to scatter Israel are going to be used to regather Israel. That's very interesting. The nations that God used to conquer Israel and to, you know, to raise their walls, to, to destroy their walls, he's going to use them to rebuild their walls. All right, the nations that used to plunder Israel, he's going to use to fill their storehouses. Yeah, and then apparently the reception of these Gentile kings and their gifts are going to flow into Israel 24 hours a day. As it says, uh, that the gates will never be shut. Now, in order for uh, the gates of a city to never be shut, it requires that something very interesting has changed because gates are shut at night to uh, protect a city from invasion. But at this time, there's not going to be, there's no, no concern with that. No concern. Yeah. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. So those that do not come and bless Israel, they're going to be, we could say they're going to be cursed. Now, Isaiah is not the only one that, that brings this whole issue up. Um, Zechariah 14, 17 says, And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain, R-A-I-N, um, 
the, the surrounding context says that God will strike their land with a famine. He won't tolerate it. Uh, you remember God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Yeah, so that promise is going to become most relevant when Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled. And by the way, it wasn't just to Abraham. It's perpetuated through Jacob and then uh, very specifically to the nation of Israel. Uh, something to be mindful of. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I'll make the place of my feet glorious. That happened in the past, didn't it? When did that happen the first time? That's right. That's right. The king of Tyre, Lebanon, supplied Solomon with all of the, the, uh, the wood for the temple. But Solomon paid for it. There's no going to be exchange of currency at this time. This will be donated to, the, to the, the, the structure of the temple, yeah, to beautify it. Also, the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So they're going to bow, prostrate, and they shall confess. Now, really imagine that all the sons of those who afflicted you. Well, who has afflicted Israel? Who, who hasn't afflicted the Jews? Uh, their sons will come. They're going to bow. They're going to prostrate. They're going to call you the city of the Lord. Now, I'm not sure how that's going to go with the UN <laughs> and, and their proxies. Uh, well, it says how it's going to go. Uh, the Arab nations... Uh, it's interesting. So we, we all know that the vast majority of the Middle East and uh, around the world, the Muslims, they, they do not like Israel. Uh, they don't recognize them as a nation, uh, as a state. Uh, they do not believe that Jerusalem uh, and the land of Israel is Yahweh's. Okay? They don't believe it's Israel's. They believe that it belongs to Allah, to the Arabs, uh, who we falsely call Palestinians. Um, but at this time that Isaiah speaks, the enemies of Israel will come to them. And this idea of bowing and prostrating is a way of showing humility and confession of, of sorrow you know, for what has been done to them. It's going to be very interesting. And they will call the city of Yahweh, well, they'll call Israel the, the city of Yahweh, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, Zion is a very interesting term. Have you ever tried to put your finger on what Zion is? There's a few statements where it, it makes it very clear, uh, but it's three different things in the Old Testament. Zion is Jerusalem, Zion is the land of Israel, and Zion are the people of Israel. All three, all three. So all the world will recognize Zion for what it is. He says, whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you, I'll make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations, you shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breasts of the kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Now, have you guys seen photographs of Israel uh, in the late 1800s, the early 1900s? I'm going to show a film, uh, I think this month sometime, but there's a ton of photographs from the late 1800s and the 19, early 1900s of what the land of Israel looked like at that time. It's a complete wasteland. It's a complete wasteland. Uh, Mark Twain, 
uh, he visited Jerusalem and he said that uh, it just lies in dust and ashes. It's just, why would anybody come here? He can't figure it out. And uh, so the land was wasted. Uh, the land was completely unprofitable. There was, there was no reason to travel there other than for religious purposes, like a pilgrimage. It was nothing. Uh, there were no goods there to acquire. There was nothing to see. It was just wasted, at least until uh, late in the, the 1800s, the Jews began to lightly till the ground and, and they started to restore it. And then, of course, um, in World War, just before World War I, there was a lot of Jews that were what they, they call Aliyah. They were uh, going back to Israel and uh, they had created some energy in regard to you know, kind of kick-starting the nation. And then, uh, of course, the UN, uh, they almost voted unanimously to let it, the Jews return to Israel and establish themselves there. And then they just went crazy on the land. Nobody knew how fertile the dirt was because nobody was doing anything with it. And then, of course, Israel invented the drip irrigation. And now many places in Israel are just a paradise. It's just amazing. But... Um, yeah, no reason to go there prior, nothing to acquire, nothing to see. No merchants were interested in Israel. But the time is coming, as Isaiah says, uh, the land of Israel will be sought after because it will just be this excellent place. Many, many people believe that the, the, the prophecies concerning the nation of Israel, the land itself, that they're progressively uh, being fulfilled rather than, than, than them being suddenly fulfilled. And uh, uh, they believe this because really of the, you know, the miraculous nature of Israel's rebirth as a nation state and the success that they've had uh, agri agriculture, science, medicine, technology. It it's amazing what they've done. Um, they've accomplished this against all odds, uh, against great resistance, uh, much trials and heartaches globally and then locally there in the land. Um, now, for me, when it comes to all of this, it is hard to avoid the temptation of this, um, you know, adopting this idea of progressive fulfillment because it, it all is extremely amazing. Uh, if you look at the data, if you look at the history of how Israel has come to be today, it, it's completely mind-boggling. We've mentioned it before that, that no other nation has been exiled from its, its nativity, its land for more than a generation and maintained its religion, language, culture, and all of those things. But Israel was gone for 2,000 years. And they've come back, and they, the Hebrew picked up where it left off. It's amazing. Much of the religion, um, a, a Jewish friend of mine, when he uh, immigrated to Israel, uh, he started reading the book of Matthew. For some reason, somebody gave it to him. And he couldn't help, but he was reading Matthew and the Pharisees never died because of the ultra-Orthodox. He said, you, you listen to them, you talk to them, it's just like reading about the Pharisees. And it's just crazy uh, how much is intact. And, and not all of it's good, I'm not saying that. Most of it is bad, uh, but it's there. But they've been, they're back, and it's amazing. And so, yeah. Now, we cert certainly don't have uh, the full fulfillment uh, because they haven't yet trusted in Christ. That's the whole context of all this. They're, they're going to recognize the Lord as their Savior, their Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. They're going to come to salvation. 
Uh, it hasn't happened. So we're waiting for many things to be fulfilled, but especially that. And then it will be that that actually brings a lot of these other things to fruition in, uh, as, as far as Isaiah and Zechariah and, and many other places is concerned. I, I think it's going to be exciting when it all begins to happen. Yeah. And, and God says, instead of bronze, I'll bring gold. We could handle some of that. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. We'll also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. So you remember that in Solomon's kingdom, um, what did they say? Uh, gold was as common as dust. Was that the silver was as common as dust? Yeah. So the wealth that's going to be restored uh, is going to put them on planet Earth as an economic superpower. Is essentially what that is saying. God's going to lavish his favor on Israel again when they come to faith. This is hard to imagine. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. <laughs> that will be a miracle. You know, since the inception of Israel as a nation, you know, following the days of Joshua to October 7th, 2023, Israel has been assaulted assaulted. And whether the Jews are, you know, familiar with this and many other prophecies or not, the, the fulfillment of it is in the longing of every Jew's heart. Um, I listen once in a while. Uh, I mean, maybe it's weird, but I like Caribbean ska. I don't know why. It's, other people call it reggae. But there's a, there used to be a Orthodox Jewish reggae singer. His name was Mattis Yahu. He's not a believer and he's actually secular now. But he would sing many songs uh, about Jerusalem, Israel. And he had a song called One Day. He actually sang it before the entire UN. And it's, it's about one day, you know, the, 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 the pavement will not be bloodstained in Israel. And the fighting will be no more. And our children will play together. Israel longs for peace. They really do. Uh, they have made so many efforts for peace over the years with their Arab uh, neighbors um, it's crazy. But this whole thing about the, the Jews' attachment to Jerusalem is undeniable. Uh, we call it Zionism today. It's often used as a kind of a, almost like a cuss word, a byword. Oh, they're Zionists. Ooh, they're Zionists. Does anybody ever look that term up to see what it means? It started in the late 1800s. And all it was, was it was, it was representing the heart of every Jew to have his own homeland and to dwell safely there. That's what it's all about. And Zionism is actually quite strange because it's not political. It's not, it's not partisan. It's not right. It's not left. Uh, it's, it's not religious. It's not non-religious. Almost all Jews, in some sense, are Zionists. The ones that live here or all over the world and not in Jerusalem, their hearts long for Jerusalem. There's something about it to them. It's a, it represents stability and eternity and so many things. And uh, so we, we could say that Jerusalem is in the heart of every Jew. That's Zionism. Uh, the day that their blood will no longer be spilled on their own streets and their children can play safely. They do not have that. October 7th proved that. Yeah. But the day's coming. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land. He says, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, 
nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning, M-O-U-R-N, shall be ended. Now, this is actually looking forward to the book of Revelation. So, John says this, the city, uh, speaking of the new Jerusalem, uh, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. There shall be no night there, 22.5. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So that introduces another concept there, doesn't it? Uh, they will reign as well. So no violence, no tears, all that's wiped away. But there's more. He says, also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. I love that. Um, They'll all be righteous. They'll have the land forever. Why? So I will be glorified. See, God is glorified by keeping his promises. That's so sweet. Now, we know that righteousness is only possible by faith. Amen? Starting in Genesis 15, Abraham believed the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul says that that same righteousness in Romans 4 is uh, the way that it has always worked, but it works a little differently now because the object of faith must be Christ, his imputed righteousness. So the only way it's possible for Israel to be righteous is how? Through Christ. That's right. When they, when they trust in the Jewish Messiah. And then Paul perpetuates this prophecy in Romans chapter 11, which we've visited many times. And then they will dwell in their land forever as righteous people, which was the condition for them being in the land and enjoying its fullness. The land was always promised to them. Well, it's yours, but there's conditions for enjoying it, right? Well, now all your people shall be righteous. So they will enjoy every promise, every blessing, everything in the land forever. Now, real quick, does it... So we know that Isaiah wrote... um, about 100 years before the Babylonian captivity, right? Yeah. Isaiah cannot mean that they'll inherit the land forever after the return of Babylon, the the Babylonian captivity, because they lost it again to Antiochus IV Epiphany. They lost it again after that to the Romans, right? And then in 70 AD, they were they were removed from the land. They were dispersed, not all of them, because then in 120, uh, Bar Kokhba started another rebellion, and uh, that was squashed. And I think I shared with you guys, that's where the name Palestinian came from. They colonized it, and then they called Israel, the land of Israel, after their arch enemies, uh, Palestina, which means Philistine. Isn't that crazy? And uh, that name has stuck until today. What's that? Yeah, Palestina uh, is the Latin for Philistine. And so that name carried on. And so today they call the land Palestine, which means land of the Philistines. It's not very kind. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, um, they're currently present in the land, which is miraculous, but they do not have all the land that was promised to them in the prophets uh, or what was promised to Abraham. And the, the prophecies of this chapter... They haven't been fulfilled to Israel in the land yet. We're waiting for this, clearly, clearly waiting for this. He ends by saying, a little one shall become a thousand 
and a small one, a strong nation, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Okay, uh, so the nation's not only going to prosper financially and spiritually, or, or simply repatriate the land, they're going to just completely repopulate the land from a relatively sl- small beginning. Thanks to Hitler, at that time, it was much smaller than it could have been, right? Over six million Jews were murdered, yeah. So from a very few number, a small number, a lot will come forth. But then the chapter ends with, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. It's an interesting way of of speaking there. It doesn't mean that God will do it soon. But when the time comes, God will do it quickly. Uh, The event is going to unravel rapidly. Yeah, in Revelation 3, verse 11, chapter 22 of Revelation, verse 7, 12, and 20, You remember Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Yeah. Of course, people, uh, they balk at that and say, well, obviously he didn't. Obviously he didn't. But in the Greek language, coming quickly doesn't always or necessarily mean immediately or even soon. Yeah. It doesn't mean that necessarily. The The phrase means that when he does come, it will be done rapidly. So as soon as the father says, go, it'll just, it'll happen fast. Super fast, yep. It will happen fast, as Isaiah says, in its time, in the appointed time. Remember when uh, Jesus was about to ascend, uh, the apostles were like, hold, hold, hold on, are you gonna, are you gonna uh, restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? He says, that time, it's, it's not for you to know. But my father, uh, he set the time. And when he tells me to return, I'll return and I'll establish the kingdom. Yeah. So some people think that this whole thing is going to be this long, drawn-out process throughout thousands of years of history, but that's not the case. Uh, it'll unravel rapidly once it begins, and it's going to be sudden. They say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction comes upon them. That's right. So as I said, when um, sometimes, just for fun, I try to read the text through this lens that says Israel has no prophetic future, that God has no interest in their future at all. And I look at this and I go, well, well, well when did that happen? And, and how could that have been fulfilled even allegorically? I mean, where would you put that? How would you, how would you fit that into something? Uh, the Gentiles have never given their wealth to Israel. They've never come and rebuilt their city. They've never brought the Jews to Israel. Uh, they've never done any of those things. Um, Israel is on the rise as a nation. Uh, economically, militarily, all kinds of stuff. But they're not there yet, as the scriptures teach. And, and all those that would say that Israel has no prophetic future, uh, they don't recognize anything that's going on over there. Uh, they think that they're absolutely nothing. It amazes me. In light of Romans 11, Paul perpetuates all of this stuff, and that is even after they rejected Christ as Messiah. So their sin does not preclude the covenant and the promises. It just delays the, the, the blessing of it. And so, very interesting. All right, well, let's end. Uh, let's stand and pray. And if you have any questions, I'd love to chat with you. I'm sure there'll be lots of questions after the movie. I'm looking at two movies right now that are um, they're, they're documentaries. I haven't decided which one yet, but they're both good. They're both made, of course, uh, before the, the current uh, issue in Israel. Um, but, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, Father, we love you. And Lord, as David, not David, but as Paul warned 
uh, we're not to boast against the natural branches, which is Israel. Um, we're not to be haughty, um, as Paul says. We could be, uh, they were broken off because of unbelief, and um, he warns us that we must be careful. And so, Lord, we want to view Israel uh, that are currently under divine chastisement. We want to view them as you do uh, now and as you intend them to be. As Isaiah said, all the people will be righteous. Uh, they will inherit the land forever and enjoy all of its blessing. And so, Lord, help us to see that and help us to interpret the word accordingly. And Well, we love you, Lord. And, Lord, we pray uh, for Israel now, that you would help them to root out Hamas and eliminate that whole thing. Even Hezbollah and every Iranian proxy that just loves death. And um, Lord, we pray for those uh, Arabs that are in Gaza that have cursed Hamas and are running for their lives, that have been used as shields and all kinds of evil, Lord. Uh, pray that you would shine your light, the light of the gospel upon them. And Lord, that they would be saved just as Israel needs to be saved. So Lord, we, yeah, Lord, we pray for the Christians in Sudan, uh, the families of those that had 800 of their relatives slaughtered, um, those in Nigeria. Lord, there's so much evil from the death cult of Islam. And we pray that all that we've talked about tonight, Lord, well, Lord, that you would come. So be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Lord bless you guys.